Today from the Global Lane, in the line of fire. Free Burma Rangers risking their lives, bringing help and eternal hope. In the gay lifestyle for 25 years, this man explains why he left and how Christians should respond to the LGBTQ cultural onslaught. Uh, it's just an agenda that's going to keep going until they can silence everyone. And a viral outbreak more deadly for Americans than the COVID-19 coronavirus. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. When danger and difficulties come, do you tackle them head on or run away? Our next guest runs directly into the center of danger. He's a missionary, former U.S. Army Ranger David Eubank. Now, 20 years ago, he founded a mission organization called the Free Burma Rangers. The group has helped ethnic people under siege by the Burmese military, providing relief and medical treatment, all in the name of Christ. More recently, FBR worked in Iraq during the battle to liberate Mosul from ISIS jihadists. You may remember CBN News showing you Eubank dodging gunfire, carrying a little Iraqi girl to safety. Well, now FBR is working in Syria, helping people under siege there. A new documentary film about the Free Burma Rangers is out any day now. And here to tell us more from Syria is David Eubank. Dave, good to see you. For those who aren't familiar with the Free Burma Rangers, how did you get started 20 years ago and why? I was in the military and I, I got out and I just started Fuller Seminary and just met my wife-to-be who refused to date me. And in the middle of all that, a tribe from Burma called the Wa Tribe contacted my parents, who are missionaries in Thailand next door, and said, please send someone to help us. And when they came to my parents' house from Burma, which is, you know, Burma's 70 years of civil war right now, and they came and said, they saw a picture of me with a green beret from, because after I was in Rangers, I was in Special Forces. And they said, that man's a warrior. We need Jesus, and we are a warrior people. Send him. So we started the Free Burma Rangers, my name in 1997, about 22 years ago, but I've actually been going since about 26 years, since 1993. And then the last five years, we've been involved also in Iraq, Kurdistan, and Syria. And David, it's not just providing medical treatment to the wounded and injured and material relief. Tell us about the importance of sharing your faith with those you help. Well, the most important thing I want to be and do is an ambassador for Jesus. And I share with everyone I can meet, like just today, with people who fled Idlib in Syria. Ask Jesus to help you. He's real. He's supernaturally real. He'll help you. Call on his name. And we gave them uh, Arabic Bibles. And I prayed with them. I think my faith is weak. So I don't want to share faith because it is weak. But I can share my conviction and my encouragement to say, ask Jesus to help you. He's going to do it. And he's made the possible impossible. In my own life, I'm not a very creative person, but following him, he's helped me do new things. David, the movie is out in select theaters as a Fathom event, February 24th and 25th. Tell us about the film. Why was it done? What will people see? Well, at about our 20-year part point of, of the Free Burma Rangers, and by then we had, we had teams in Burma, and we've been, we hadn't gone to Sudan yet or Iraq yet. We've been in Burma. I just had this growing feeling. I wanted to thank God. I wanted to thank people who helped us and show them what would have been happening. It just welled up inside me. It reminded me of the, the 10 blind people that were healed by Jesus, and one came back and said, thank you. It just came up. I thought, this is the time to share the story. And I remembered I was talking to a filmmaker friend of mine, Chris Sinclair, in Burma, in the jungle. He was there doing another project with us. 
And I said, I'm going to make a film. It'll be horrible if I make it, but I will have done my part. And Chris Sinclair, who made this current movie, said, I'll do it. Pro bono. Free. Okay. And we prayed. And we wanted to tell the story, what has God done through us and in spite of us? Who are the beautiful people all over the world, every culture and tribe and race and religion that God made? They're awesome. Get to know them. We want to show the miracles God has done, again, through weak, imperfect, simple people like us and our friends. And there's no other kind that I know of. There's a lot better people than us, but even the best people are not perfect. But God uses us in any way. You don't have to give up. And I want people to, to see the Karen people of Burma, the other people of Burma, as we see them. It's lovely, wonderful people deserving to be free. We should stand with them. I want them to see Iraqis, as I learned, are wonderful people. They're not our enemies. And to see how God brings us together. My mom says, and she's been a missionary most of her life. She's 87, been in the field 60 years. My dad's 90. He's still in the field. I think you know them. Alan and Joan Eubank. My mom said, Dave, God has friends all over the world, and he likes them to meet each other. So I hope this movie does that as well. Okay, it'll bring us together. The Free Burma Rangers documentary is out in select theaters February 24th and 25th. David, I guess people can check online for showing close to them. Is that correct? Yes, you can look at www.freeburmarangers.org or free FB, FBR movie. You probably think I'm pretty illiterate, and I mostly am. I went to Sex A&M. But we're writing a book called The Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. That's the subtitle. The main title is do this for love. And that'll come out later this summer as well. I'll tell you more about that later when we actually finish it. But, but it will be out this summer after the movie. And both of them telling slightly different stories about what we've seen and what has God done. Okay, coming to us from Syria, David Eubank of the Free Burma Rangers. Thanks, Dave, for your time. In the midst of presidential impeachment and the spread of the coronavirus, you may have missed a groundbreaking world development. 27 nations have come together to form a new group called the International Religious Freedom Alliance. The goal of the member nations is to advance religious freedom around the world. Joining us is Mr. David Curry. He is the president and CEO of Open Doors USA. David, thanks for joining us. Good to see you again. Thank you so much for having me on. So, David, tell me, uh, what are the goals of this new alliance? Well, Ambassador Sam Brownback from the State Department described this as an activist alliance. What it is is it's a bunch of countries that want to get together and actively move forward this idea of religious liberty. While it seems like a common-sense thing to us here in the United States, there are so many countries around the world where people do not have the freedom of religion. They don't have the freedom of conscience to decide for themselves, this is what I believe. And this alliance of countries that's going to push forward this idea, I think it's going to bring freedom, not just to Christians, which is what Open Doors primarily focuses on, but people all over the world who want to have the freedom of religious expression. Religious Freedom Ambassador Sam Brownback said that the bar is set high for these member nations. Uh, tell me about that. Is it set a little too high or who's in and who's out? Well, there are some countries on the list that are learning as they go. Not every country on the list would be perfect in their religious liberty. That's not the idea. The idea is to commit to a level of excellence uh, and, and freedom within your country, and then to open a dialogue between communities around culture, around the laws, 
that it, that it takes to support religious freedom. And in that way, I think the bar is high. It needs to be high. And I think that's how we're going to see this move forward. In the future, I'd love to see countries that are on the world watch list, these countries of great concern, come into the community and lift their level of excellence regarding uh, religious liberty. That would be a great thing. Right now, we have a group of countries that are interested in this. They're talking about it. I think you're going to see some great, imp great improvements because of this alliance. There was a little bit of controversy because Taiwan has done quite a bit about religious freedom, and they were denied membership. Uh, some people say, well, that was uh, unjust. They should be part of this alliance. What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, the United States has had a one-China policy for some time. The, the fact that China is a great persecutor of religious liberty right now against Christians, against Uyghur Muslims, it needs to be part of this discussion. I think, obviously, we want to honor the fact that Taiwan has taken a lot of Christian refugees, Uyghur refugees. They've been thoughtful about religious freedom. So that needs to be part of the discussion. I think starting with this alliance is a good first step. I don't think we need to stop there. I'd love to see this administration continue to have this dialogue. As I said, they describe it as an activist, trying to move it forward actively, not just sitting there discussing it, but what can we do to change the laws and rules and the culture around religious freedom? Now, how do you, how do you affect change in some of these persecuting countries? And I, I'm thinking of places like maybe Pakistan, Afghanistan, uh, even uh, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, China, India. How do you affect change there? How do you convince them to open up? Well, I think if you example how religious freedom is part of a healthy economy, how it's part of a healthy culture, I think that's the first step. I think these countries, in the end, are going to need to have discussions about things like blasphemy laws in Pakistan, how that hurts their community, how it hurts their relationships in the international community. I think once people begin to have those discussions, you begin to open up in a way that maybe that you could not otherwise. Right now, there is not a discussion uh, within Pakistan on blasphemy at a wide level. It needs to be something that's discussed because then maybe people can see an alternate idea, another way of doing it so that people can have the freedom to discuss their faith, to choose their own faith without fear of vigilante justice and being attacked or killed. And I think people don't realize that there are more Muslims uh, that are in jail right now in Pakistan for blasphemy than there are Christians uh, on the same charge. But, David, I know it's only been about a month since uh, Open Doors released uh, the new World Watch list, but are there any surprises, any concerns that you have now early on in 2020 that we're seeing in some of these countries? We highlighted Burkina Faso, which borders uh, some of the countries where Boko Haram, the terrorist group, had been attacking northern Nigeria, into Cameroon, into Chad, into Niger. And we said, look, here's an area that we need to be concerned about because it was once a very peaceful place for Christians. Just since the World Watch List, there's been more attacks within Burkina Faso. So that's an area we've got to continue to be both be prayerful about. But I think from an international community uh, perspective, from the State Department perspective, these folks need to understand at the government level, they need to protect Christians, protect sacred places like churches so that people can worship freely without fear of being attacked in Burkina Faso. Okay, David Curry of Open Doors USA. Thanks so much, David. We appreciate you. Thank you, Gary. American popular culture is steadily being inundated with pro-LGBTQ messages. 
Marvel is pushing an on-screen same-sex kiss in a movie out next fall. HGTV has announced it plans to feature a thruple in its House Hunter series. That show will feature a married man and a woman who have two kids and are in a relationship with another woman who lives with them. And then there's AOC. The New York Congresswoman recently pledged allegiance to the drag on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars show. I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I pledge allegiance to the drag. Here to set us straight on these cultural influences from the LGBTQ community is George Carneal. Raised by a Southern Baptist minister, Mr. Corneal spent 25 years immersed in the homosexual lifestyle. He is author of the new book, From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. So, George, tell us, why is this onslaught from the LGBTQ community occurring in our culture at this time? It seems they've gone from fighting for societal tolerance to indoctrination, demanding that uh, our culture embrace a minority lifestyle. I think it's going to continue to get worse. I knew when they opened the floodgates, it's never going to be enough really until we look at the bigger picture of what the agenda is really about. And that is silencing Christians and all opposition to this agenda and anything that is pro-family, pro-Christian, pro-life, pro-America. Uh, it's just an agenda that's going to keep going until they can silence everyone. Well, ex explain to us then, how is it that you uh, raised by a Southern Baptist minister, a father, uh, came to embrace a gay lifestyle. Well, my journey was, uh, I really struggled with a lot of um, bullying when I was a kid. There was a disconnect with my male peers, and because of the demands of my father's ministry, and he wasn't around a lot, I think there was something in me that was missing male affection and male bonding. So when I first, and I went through a lot of bullying, so when I first stepped into a gay bar at 18, it was the first time that men were looking at me differently and treating me differently. I wasn't getting the negative attention, but it was a positive attention. And it really became addicting because for someone who really didn't have that for 18 years of their life, uh, I just qu quickly became addicted to that life and it just descended within three years. Uh, by that point, I was already battling drugs and alcohol, depression. I had a sex addiction. I was a prostitute, and I attempted suicide, and it would still be 22 more years before God would finally get me out of that life. There's a growing effort in states around the nation right now to adopt legislation prohibiting counseling that attempts to bring gays and lesbians out of the homosexual lifestyle. Your thoughts on that? Should we have laws banning conversion therapy? Absolutely not. The way they tell it, they, they act as if every counselor out there is doing harm to an LGBT individual, and it's not the case. I've worked with both secular and Christian counselors, and everyone has been respectful of my journey, what I've been struggling with, even my faith. I have not had anyone harm me, and I've been through lots of therapy with lots of therapists. What they need to understand is there are LGBT individuals who do not want these feelings, and they want help getting that healing and wholeness that they want so they can have a family and children that is their desire and they have every right to seek out whatever kind of counseling they need to get that healing and wholeness the lgbt activists and even government the government does not have the right to step in and mandate and dictate that we have to be saddled with these feelings and i'm sure just like you many gays george uh, you at one time uh, viewed christians as intolerant enemies so how should churches and Christians respond then to gay members in their congregations? For me, I really hated Christians. I had such a, a, a negative view of them, and I had really been hurt by them because a lot of them give the narrative that God created AIDS to kill the fags, 
God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah to get rid of the homosexuals. You hear all, hear all of the perverted stuff, and then they'll say uh, all fags are going to hell. And this really stole any hope that I had in my own life of trying to, to, to think or believe that God was really an ally. And it was really God slowly immersing me back into the church, but with Christians who truly had the heart of Christ that allowed me a safe place to go and just sit with them. And I wasn't harassed or bullied or mistreated, but it was sitting under the power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of pastors who had the guts to speak the truth of God's word. And I knew that by the Christians in my own life who were loving and who invested time in me and poured love into me, that really gave me a lot of food for thought. And God started to expose the lies of the LGBT activists, including the liberal theologians who pushed the gay is okay narrative. And after I had to work through the lies and God deprogrammed me of those lies and gave me the healing that I needed, gave me the strength to walk out of that life. The Episcopal Church just ordained its first lesbian bishop, Bonnie Perry. Should people who are openly homosexual be in leadership positions in churches? Absolutely not. And that goes for heterosexuals who are sleeping outside of marriage or they're living with someone and they're unmarried. No, there's a godly, there's a way that we are supposed to live our lives that God calls us to do in his word. And unless we are meeting those standards, not that anyone's perfect, but we should really be really be doing our best to live a godly life because we are an influence on others. And not only that, we are representing God. So no, they should not be allowed. And finally, George, how should Christians then respond to these LGBTQ influences that we're now seeing in movies, films, politics, culture? What's your advice? My advice is, is I know Hollywood is glamorizing it and they are getting, giving a sanitized version of what homosexuality is. But until you sit down and listen to the testimonies of every gay, lesbian, and transgender individual who has come out of that life, and you listen to the horror stories of what we've been through and the reality of that life, which I share in my book, it's not X-rated, but I don't sugarcoat it. But the life is so different from what Hollywood and what the media portray. And so when a Christian affirms this, they think that they're doing the most loving thing, but you're not. You're not only hurting that individual, and you're pushing them into a life of where they're not going to find any peace, happiness, or contentment, but they are. you are pushing them into further rebellion against God. And I've seen the casualties of that life. And I'm warning Christians to stop affirming this. Tell them the truth in love. And just so you'll know, in the back of my book, I put all of the talking points that the LGBT activists and the Christian liberal theologians use, and I debunk that with Scripture. So if you have individuals who in your life who are not willing to listen to this, give them the book or at least get it and familiarize yourself with those talking points. So when they do come at you and say, no, 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 it's okay, you can give them Scripture because they are not going to sit down and study God's Word to get the truth for themselves. Okay, the book is From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. George Carneal, thank you for sharing your time and insights. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Containing the COVID-19 coronavirus certainly poses a monumental challenge for China and the world. China recently reported more than 2,000 deaths since the outbreak began last December. But did you know in comparison, 14,000 people have died right here in the United States so far this flu season. Where's the round-the-clock reporting about that? That's 12,000 more dead from the flu right here in the USA than from COVID-19 around the world. Of course, no one knows for sure the accurate count of people infected and dead from the coronavirus. 
Remember what China expert retired Brigadier General Robert Spaulding told us last week. Greater concern with regard just to this coronavirus alone is a, is a secrecy and control of the Chinese Communist Party. Of course, uh, this goes all the way back to the beginning of December. Uh, didn't really start coming out until mid-January. By then, uh, the uh, the epidemic had had spread. It's hard to know how many have actually died from COVID-19. The Chinese government is burning the bodies of the dead, and citizens complain that family members go into quarantine. They never see them again. Some family members aren't even allowed to hold funerals. Although the flu, not the coronavirus, is killing thousands of Americans right here in this country, it's important that health officials and governments do all they can to protect people from the deadly COVID-19 coronavirus. And Baptist pastor Andy Liu from Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the viral outbreak, tells us it is important for us to pray. Pray um, for our for our government, government, and for our city, for, for our people, um, for the fear of God and for the healing. I pray for our uh, uh, the local church in Wuhan because they are having a regular meeting and the service are canceled due to the situation. But there's a good chance for them to uh, share the gospel at home with their families. And I, I know so many uh, Chinese churches in America, uh, they bought a lot of uh, medical supplies to pray uh, can be received without any delay. So let's do what we can to protect ourselves from the flu and the coronavirus. But let's not forget to ask God to bring an end to this outbreak, to provide medical breakthroughs, and also comfort to those who have lost loved ones. Let's pray for endurance and perseverance for healthcare workers. And let's be assured that God in his divine wisdom will use this viral outbreak to accomplish his purposes, to bring salvation, blessing, and eternal hope to China and the world. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.